Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Today, we have Daniel Apke with us from Land Investing Online. And Daniel, I have to apologize. I didn't ask how to pronounce your name before we hopped on here. I hope I got it right. I meant to, I put a note down to remind you too, and I completely forgot because no one gets it right. It's Apke, Daniel Apke. Daniel Apke, right on. <laughs> Daniel is a master in the land investing world. Obviously, he's from Land Investing Online. I am super excited. I don't often have a ton of people on here to talk about investing in land. It is a killer niche because they're not making more of it. Obviously, land is the it's the foundation of real estate. And so, Daniel, I am super excited to have you on here. Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Gabe. Right on. Uh, I told you before we got on here, we like to start with stories. We'd like to hear how people got to where they are today. So why don't you give us your story? How'd you get started in real estate? So I I graduated college and immediately, like a lot of other people, you want to get more financial freedom, get more freedom. And the way to do that, a great way to do that, which you pitch on your podcast, Gabe, is through real estate investing. So the first thing I did after graduating college, I actually bought a really cheap salon, uh, real estate. I bought the building, a salon in Cincinnati, Ohio. Strip center retail. Yeah, exactly. And it... Uh, the the old owners were making or were hiding a lot of the income on it, Gabe. So like mm-hmm. the two investors, it looked like a really shot property that no one would be interested in. But I actually went there and started asking the salon stylist how much they're paying by booth every day and by month. And the, it was generating a crazy amount of capital or a crazy amount of cash flow. And then on top of it, there's an apartment on top as well. So it was a really good intro intro property for real estate for me. And that, I mean, I loved it. I loved every part. I used to manage it myself and go and collect all the salon money. And it just, (laughs) it really opened me up to real estate and what's possible. But while I was doing that, I had a nine to five job. I was working as an outside salesman for a company called Palmer Donovan, and I was selling building materials. So that kind of engraved me in the building industry and real estate as well. I'd go to job sites and commercial properties Um, But I always knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a full-time entrepreneur. So it was just about how do I get there? What's the quickest way to get there? And a lot of times real estate, it takes a little bit, in traditional real estate, it can take a little bit of time for cash flow to build up enough to to make a full-time living. So I actually started an electric bike company, Gabe, and that uh, within six months or so gave me enough to quit my job, gave me enough income to quit my job. But I still knew in the back of my head, I want to get back in real estate. That just got me out of my job. Now let's put my head where I really want to do towards my passions. Okay. And by electric yes. bike company, do you mean something like Bird or something like the you go put them out and people rent them and that kind of stuff? Or what do you mean by electric bikes? I was just a distributor for electric bikes. So yeah, so the scooter companies, we had scooter companies like Bird that we would distribute. Um, we were just really uh, had wholesale agreements with these manufacturers and would distribute the product for them. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So you got, you started, um, you, you wanted to be in real estate. You realized that it does take a lot of capital. Everybody out there that says, you know, you don't need any money to do real estate. Full shit. You need money to do real estate. Um, there are ways to make money, uh, you know, wholesaling and everything that, but it still requires money, uh, you know, capital to market. And so you realized that you started another company, electric bike company, took you about six months to get out of the rat race to completely, you know, get rid of your corporate job. Um, and at one point, did you actually focus exclusively on real estate? 
It was when I had a friend in the, like, in the e-commerce world, because I was so heavily, I had other businesses too. I had about eight businesses running, six businesses at one point, like publishing. I was publishing books for people. I was really just looking for that freedom. And during that- <laughs> You were, uh, it sounds like you kind of went the same route. I did e-commerce too and a whole bunch of different yeah. stuff. I was just like going through the Facebook feed and you get this idea of a business. And you're like, fuck it, I'll do that. Let's just get <laughs> yeah, it done. Exactly. And I think it stems like we have the same personality traits and we wanted to be full-time entrepreneurs and we're just looking, what's going to like get me to to be able to do that and make the most money. And that's what it was for a long time. But I was introduced actually land invest. And, and throughout that too, I want to mention, I was buying when I had my nine to five job in the electric bike, I was buying some other rental, smaller rental properties in Ohio, the Midwest. Um, so I was doing that to kind of keep my passion going and keep that long-term asset. But I was introduced to land investing through a friend who was in the he was actually like in the drop shipping industry and he was he made his way up really high in the drop shipping industry and was doing well and he was like this land investing thing seems so sustainable for a long term play so i dove in it and started researching and figuring out how to do it and the main objective of land investing is buying the property's under market value and just reselling it that's what we're doing we're just really flipping it you can do owner financing and things but in this market where things are selling so fast we just buy it under market value and the thing why it was so appealing to me is cuz there are so many sellers out there that own land and they don't want it. They're paying taxes on it. They don't even live nearby. They've never been there. They inherited the property. They need the money for something else. It's not like it's their shelter and their roof, right? They can liquidate that for cash at any point. So that was what was really appealing to me, Gabe. Nice, man. I love it. Um, and so, I mean, your story is pretty interesting, especially that you started with a salon. Most people start you know, wholesaling properties or they buy a rental. Why? How did you find the salon? Why did you decide to go commercial that very first deal? It just fell into my lap. I was using a realtor at the time. He's a family friend. And he kind of strongly pushed me in there. He knew it was a good deal. He knew they were hiding income. He knew it was a nice property and really knew about the location. He was really pushing me towards that property. Um, and we were looking at a lot at that time for just two to four units pretty much. And then that property technically had an apartment on top too and a salon on the bottom. And we saw it and figured out the cash flow. It's like it would have been impossible to say no. So we went with a really, really low offer as well. Um, and they were just in a spot where they needed to sell. So we got, we literally bought the salon operating salon for $82,000. It just made a wow. lot of sense. Yeah. Jeez, it was just a, crazy. a killer deal. So I just, it was one of those deals you come across and you just can't say no to. Yeah, that makes sense. And a lot of those, uh, um, for a while I was really interested in, um, laundromats and uh, a lot of those cash based businesses, you know, you'll see their P and L, but it, it is no, you know, nowhere near reflective of their actual operating income, like what they're right. actually bringing in. And so it sounds like salons are the same. Um, I'm sure they're getting a lot of cash payments. Exactly. They don't report it to the IRS and it's just not on their, uh, not it goes in their, their pocket for sure. Yep. That's interesting. Um, so let's dive deeper into land. You know, it's, uh, it's something that I don't know a ton about. Um, I know that there's a lot of different ways to execute it. So it sounds like your main model is buying and flipping. Um, and mostly you're buying from people who've owned it for maybe their their dad, their grandpa owned it um, for however long and they got it, they inherited it and they just don't want it. And so they just want to get rid of it um, for under market value. They don't, they just want the headache to be gone, which is the perfect, perfect situation for an investor. Um, how do you go about finding these deals? 
So we have a county selection process that we use. We really identify what county we're, we're first. I'll start by saying, actually, we're doing this primarily in rural America. We're not okay. going for the most part in a metro Atlanta, Georgia area and doing 0.1, 0.15 acre lots. We do a little bit of that, but that's more specialized. And as we get more specialized, we do, we do a little bit of that, but primarily we're going one to two counties outside of these metro areas. So we go, if you're in Atlanta selling, buying and flipping land in that around the greater Atlanta area, we'd go out to like Macon County, you know, two counties removed. Um, it just, it works better that way. A lot of the people, I don't know, for whatever reason, it's hard to comp land in those areas. So people don't know the value of their land. Cause there might be one to two comps within 20 miles and yeah. you, it's just so hard to comp land. And that's, that's where our specialty is, but to actually acquire this, we go, we identify that County and then we pull data for everyone who owns, let's just say in Macon County, Georgia, who owns between two to 50 acres, let's just say, we'll pull all the records that fit that. And then we have a data specialist, which, you know, used to be us, but now we have someone doing it in our firm um, who just prices it out, think, figures out what the retail is for that two to 50 acres. What do we want to price it, set a percentage, and then we send out 20,000 mailers with offer letters on them. So our mailers, oh, the first one's an introduction and the second page is a spot for them to sign, fill out with an offer letter, their APN. And then when we get those back and negotiate or whatever, then we just send it to title and then do the same thing on the for sale side and just list it on the market, on the MLS, on land.com, on Facebook marketplace, on Craigslist, everywhere we can put it really good marketing, great drone photos, um, ground photos, all that stuff. So um, when you say you send it with an offer, I th- when I was doing a single family wholesales, you know, way back when I had thought about doing this, but I never like got the processes built out. Um, when you're actually sending that offer in the uh, in the marketing mailer, are you like, sending an offer amount so you know that it should be worth a hundred thousand and you offer half of whatever that is so fifty thousand dollars for the property and it's actually in like a purchase and sale agreement or an loi or something like that yes it's a purchase agreement and it has so if that hundred thousand dollar property we'd offer you know just depends on the area and the hotness of the market but we'd offer just for this example say fifty thousand dollars and we'll offer to buy it within a certain amount, like in certain areas, we can literally close with title insurance in three days. And that's one of the main incentives, but typically, you know, it's between eight to 12 business days, we say, and we're buying that in our own name. Mm. Um, and we'll get into financing, how we fund these properties later. We can, if you want to talk about that, but we're not actually buying this with our money. Um, we're buying it with other people's money for the most part. So that's how we close with our own money in our own name. And that gives us the ability to put it on the market, to put it on the MLS and all those sites. So you can market it under your name. Yep. And that was actually going to be my next question is how do you guys finance finance all these deals? It sounds like you're doing pretty big volume, um, which takes a lot of capital if you're actually closing on the deal and not wholesaling it. So um, how are you guys financing this? So the the way it works, and it's t- it took us a lot, long time to get to this point too, but in our community, there's a lot of different land investors, right? It's a small niche land investing. And what happens, this works pretty well and it's pretty profitable. So what happens when they our land investing after a year, two years, whatever, they get excess cash and they want to invest mm-hmm. in other people's properties. So it's a, usually a network of people who have extra money from land investing, putting it in other people's deals. So we're funding it a uh, mix between other people's family and friends, just raising money through other ways, but attaching every all the money to a deal. So it's not attached to our business. So all the money's attached and then we do a profit split at the end. So if we're buying a property for $50,000, um, it will be in a contract to that making Georgia property for $50,000. And we'll do anywhere. I've seen 50-50 profit splits. I've seen 40-60, 25-75. You just got to get creative with that. But there's a lot of people in the community with money that are... There's more money than deals, I should say. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. 
Um, and so, you know, the flip is obviously the, the, the model that makes the most sense. Do you guys do anything else with the land? Do you do development? I've even seen people who, uh, who buy land and then they'll just rent it out, um, on, I can't remember what app it's like the Airbnb of camping or something like that. Um, and just rent it out as a, as a plot to camp on. Um, do you guys do any of that or is it just the flips? No flips mainly we do. So one thing, actually, I was just putting together our 2023 goal is one thing we are looking to do more is more projects. Like that's on our goal is mm. do more projects, subdividing minor subdivisions. Like you can split a 20 acre property into two 10 acre properties, something that simple. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you might be able to get 30% more dollars out of it. So we do some improvements like that. You can get into major subdivisions. Leasing land out is big. Like if you have farmland, you can lease it out to farmers. They don't want to buy it. They just want to lease it and use it. Hunting, leasing out to hunters, you can do. Oh, we we're really big on the more specialization like that you're saying, like the more specialized you are, the more value you're bringing, which I just think is more sustainable in the long run. So we, we really do preach doing different stuff with the land. Once you have the money, it's easy I to get the cash flow and the money you're looking for and the freedom you're looking for flipping lands, a really fast way to get there. And then once you have that money and you're doing all that, let's experience, let's take 20, 40% of our dollars and over over marketing and try different things, subdividing, whatever you want to do. I know someone who just does it. Let's just use Atlanta, the Atlanta area again. They're only buying mobile home lots in Atlanta with no mobile homes on it. And Mm. that's their specialty. And then they know all the mobile home dealers and buyers out there and Mm -hmm. the builders and everything. And then they just send it right to them. They know exactly what they're going to sell it for before they buy it. That's awesome. Yeah. Once you get good at a specific thing like that, like buying mobile home lots that are zoned to have a mobile home on them, just and then getting their relationships, bringing them in. Um, once you yeah. really nail that down, it's just, it's like butter. I love it. Exactly. Um, so you mentioned you guys go two counties outside of major metros. Um, so that is, you know, I'm just thinking of where I live, uh, two counties away from, from King County, from Pierce County here up in the Seattle area is getting pretty sparse do you guys and i some areas i'm thinking of like montana if you go two counties outside of bozeman or something you're literally in the middle of nowhere um do you guys buy land that is you know 100 miles away from the, the nearest city or are you only within like a 50 mile radius of a major metro no we'll go further out than that it really just depends like you have to figure out in the part of the county selection process it's not how far away from a city is it it's more like how are the properties moving that are for sale or mm. how the pro- the sold how long did the sold properties take to sell so if you see five properties that are all around 5 acres and they sold for $50,000 each in three days, you know, there's a big market for five acre properties out in that area. It's more about the demand in the area than the actual ruralness because there's some, I'll buy some lots that are 10 miles away from Atlanta, right? And they take two, three months to sell and the interest is low. And it just always shocks me. We'll go a hundred miles outside and we'll put up the same similar property and it'll sell within, you know, a few days. So by seeing the by seeing the, I think, population, yeah. yeah, time on market versus the population is the population is not always correlated to the heat of the market is what I'm trying to say. Huh. Yeah, that makes uh, I mean, it doesn't make sense, but it makes <laughs> it yeah. makes a lot of sense in terms of why you would do that. It's all uh, pricing. Like if you price at the end of the day, if you price, we always teach price, undercut the market a little bit, right? Don't get greedy. Put it 90% right now, 95% since the market's still doing okay, 90%. When the market gets hot, when the market gets a little cooler, maybe we need to put it for 80%. There's always a demand for under market value properties. And that's just comes back to the value we preach. Like 
we're providing values to the people that we're buying the land from, and then we're selling the land. I mean, we're providing a good opportunity that wouldn't have been there without us. Gotcha. Yep. And when I uh, when I buy properties, I always preach seller financing. I always, you know, I'm I'm selling two properties right now, seller financing myself, and I awesome. bought most of my properties with seller financing. Do you do that with land, or you just like to cut ties, have it cash, um, have no debt on the property when you buy it? We we do seller financing, but land the ticket that we're doing is a lot smaller than your ticket. So a lot of people do have the cash. And mm-hmm. right now in a market where the people still do have the cash, we're getting plenty of cash offers. So it just comes down to for us what you value the money now. Like if you can get fifty thousand dollars now versus sixty thousand or seventy thousand after the owner financing gets paid out in a few years, it's really whatever you value it now. Right now, with the market in land and the cash offers, we're trying to focus on cash offers, but owner financing as the market drops, less people have cash, owner financing goes up with that. So we're definitely, we do that. Perfect. I love it. All right, man. Well, hey, I took a peek at the clock. We have gone through our 15 minutes, so it's time to jump into the quick question round. Are you ready? Perfect. Let's do it. Let's do it. Starts with books or any form of uh, education, any media. Give me two recommendations, one for general life wisdom, one for real estate specific. Real estate specific, or I would do general advice. The One of the books that comes to mind is Start With Why. I, I think just having a purpose on what you do, that's what drives me forward. That's what allows me to work hard. I couldn't imagine trying to do everything I do with entrepreneurship without loving what I do. And you can see in the background, if you're watching this, is right up here. I think uh, Start With Why, really good book by Simon Sinek. Um, real estate related, I think just getting involved in the community in terms of like how I got started. I was just on the bigger pocket forms, to be honest, and just seeing what people are doing, seeing what people are interested in. It just opens your your whole world up to what's going on out there and the possibilities. And then just really focusing on one area of that, because at the end of the day, you know, we can make money in any niche. It's just how about you execute the niche? Yep. Yeah, man. I, uh, you know, I wish I would have focused in sooner in my career cuz I you know when I got started in real estate I wanted to do everything I was doing wholesaling doing single family rentals flips you know you name it I tried it yeah. I mean it wasn't until I just focused in I'm going to do self storage this is what I'm doing um there's pros and cons of every niche like you found out like you can make there's people out there making money in any single business it's just how are you going to execute on it you know so that comes back to start with why like what do you care about what's going to be sustainable for you to do for 10 20 years yep absolutely All right. That moves us to the next question. This is for your younger self. So let's go back to the Daniel who had no experience in real estate. He was just uh, starting his corporate career. Go back to him, look him in the eye, give him one piece of advice moving forward. I think action is always best. Like if you're debating doing something and you know you want to do it, take the action. I see too many people investing in our program, investing in the land investing community to be a part of it. And they're not actually sending the marketing. They're not actually sending the mail. Take action. You'll figure the rest out. Quit studying. Honestly, quit studying so much. Like I learn and I know everyone else learns by actually doing it. And I think that's the number one thing. And it comes back to fear, but just pushing yourself and taking that next step. And then after that next step, the next step will automatically come. So I sent the mail out in this case. And then the acquisitions are going to naturally come from that. So I got to get comfortable with the whole process. People overstudy in my mind when they're scared. Yep, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you couldn't have said it better. My, or you, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, once you know the general idea of what you're doing, just find the next step and do it. Just focus on that step. Um, and then as you take those steps, you know, one after the other, the whole picture will start to start to take place. So love exactly. it. Moving on to the next one. This is... Location, the United States, it's a big place, a lot of opportunity out there. You're in land, so this is going to be an interesting answer. Um, Give me one metro in the US that you're most excited about investing in today. One metro. 
I think Memphis around the Memphis, Tennessee area. I, I love that area. You get into northern Mississippi, south southwest. Oops, looks like Daniel's uh Daniel's not a video. lot of investors smacking it right now. Oh, there you go. You froze for a second. So repeat repeat what you said just there. I said great. So I don't know where I stopped, so I'll just start. Greater Greater Memphis. I think there's a lot of opportunities there. I don't think I think it's under approached by from an investor standpoint. You have northern Mississippi right there. That's you know, you're talking 20, 30 miles out. You're in northern Mississippi. There's a ton of land development opportunities there. It's a growing area. People love Tennessee for whatever reason. People are moving there. It's very sustainable. Very excited about the Memphis area. Nice. I love it. Yeah. Memphis and Nashville both have just been you're uh number of people have come on here and recommended those areas because um, yep. yeah they're just exploding um i actually went to nashville the first time i think it was last year and man i had a lot of fun that was a fun <laughs> it's a fun place for sure yeah <laughs> all right so next question we are all gifted with superman strengths that we uniquely give to this world so what is your superman strength the giving back to the world just what what's your what's your greatest strength that you uh that you feel in your business i feel like my greatest strength personally is my vision i I don't always know how to get there, but by having that long-term vision of where I'm going, everything else kind of comes from that. And I think just having that vision has allowed me to get to where I am. Um, and I have a big vision for what, I mean, I'm only 28 years old. I have a big vision for where I'm going and I have a good sense of direction from that standpoint. And I'm just excited for it. I think having that vision, that clear vision in my mind has been really beneficial from a business standpoint. Nice, man. I love it. All right. That leads us to the second to last question. Um, this is about mentors. None of us are islands. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. So who is one mentor who has contributed significantly to your career today? So my mentor so far, then, and specifically in the last six months, his name's Joe Sheehy. He is the founder of a company called Cured Nutrition. It's a nutrition company out of Colorado. He's got an incredible vision, incredible story, uh, just really passionate guy. And I, I, we meet once a week, one-on-one. -on -one. He is extremely gifted from a business and just he's a great person overall. He's helped taking my business to the next level. Super grateful for him. If you guys don't know Joe Sheehy, I definitely recommend following him for like business advice. Just a really great, genuine guy. Perfect. Well, shout out to Joe. Thank you for helping Daniel to get to where he is today. And that leads us to the very last question. This is for the listeners. You've given us a lot of good advice, a lot of good wisdom on investing in land. So I'm sure people want to reach out and get in contact with you. What is the best way for them to do that? Instagram. I'm very involved on Instagram. I post pretty much any day. Instagram.com slash Daniel Apke. Or just feel free to email us at Daniel at landinvestingonline.com. Shoot us an email anytime. I'm happy to answer any questions. We have so much free resources that we provide, calls, Q&As, things like that. If you're interested or have any questions on land, just hop in one of the Q&As. They're completely free. Love to provide free value just if you're looking to learn more. Perfect. So that's Instagram at Daniel Apke, A-P-K-E. I will put that link in the show notes. So if y'all want to reach out to Daniel, just go ahead and click a little more in the description. It'll pull down this full description and in there you can find Daniel's link. Right on, Daniel. Well, that wraps it up. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. This was great. Thanks, Gabe. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. For everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. If you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe, at the Real Estate Investing Club.com. Other than that, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic week. Keep rocking real estate, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. 
If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.